Welcome back to the Foreign Desk. I'm Lisa Defteri. As the movement inside Iran rages well into the fourth month, uh, the list of executions is also growing. And uh, Iran rounding up peaceful protesters, influencers, athletes, celebrities, randomly executing many of them to make a point. They're also going after foreign nationals. They're holding in custody individuals from Europe and the United States and Canada, uh, often held as political prisoners by the regime, using them as pawns, hoping to negotiate either a prisoner swap or get some sort of political favors out of them. With us today is the daughter of one of these political prisoners currently being held by Iran's regime for almost three years. Gazelle is the daughter of Jamshid Sharmad, 67-year-old who was kidnapped and held by the regime on trumped-up charges. I will let her tell his story and the latest with her father's case. Welcome to the show, Gazelle. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thanks for having me here. Uh, I, I want you to start us from the beginning. Your father, obviously born in Iran, of, of Iranian descent. He leaves Iran and goes to Germany and, and take us through his story. Sure. Um, yes, as you said, my dad was born in Iran. He was uh, born in Tehran. He was seven years old when he moved to Germany. His dad married a German uh, uh, woman, his stepmother. He grew up in, Ger in a German-Iranian household. And he briefly went back um, a couple of years before the revolution. He uh, got married to my mom. I was born also in Tehran. And after the revolution, because he, is, he was also a political activist back, on, back then, he had to flee the country. And we all moved to Germany and stayed there um, pretty much all of our life. In 2002, when he was 50 years old, my dad moved to the U.S. because his um, his side of the family of his mother lives in the U.S. They're all U.S. Um, citizens. And we moved to Los Angeles, where we've lived uh, for the, the last two decades, pretty much. Um, he was a political... Go ahead. I'm going to stop you. You said your father was a political activist when you were actually living in Iran. So I assume uh, that is during the, this regime in the last 44 years, of course. Uh, what kind of activist was he and what was he doing while he was living in Iran? A human rights activist. He was not public. He was not like he is right now, a public figure. He was just like doing what, uh, to tell you the truth, Lisa, all Iranian families are usually politically <laughs> active. We grew up in this. We right. grew up with politics, talking about it at the table. But uh, at that time, he was not public. Uh, he was just somebody who was interested in human rights. And uh, uh, that's uh, what he kept until now. Uh, in Germany, because we were so little and because the regime has a history of attacking human rights activists or, or opposition figures outside uh, in Europe, in the US, he stopped everything, but he was still following what was going on, on his, in his homeland. Um, when he moved to America, though, because we have a really huge Iranian diaspora in Los Angeles, he started to pick that up again and become more interested. Right. Um, by trade, he is a software engineer. He had his own company and he saw one of the satellite stations that he really, really liked. And he offered to create a website for them where they could archive their shows. And that's how it started. He had that website up and the shows were on there. And immediately, as soon as he had the website up, it was under attack, cyber attack by the regime. Mm -hmm. The server of the website got exposed and the server was on the same server as our company. So Sharmat Computing. His name got out. And that was the second that they started attacking him personally. They couldn't take it out on the website, so they started attacking him. What does that mean? They, what does that mean? Um, it means, for example, propaganda. They 
broadcasted a huge propaganda special on Channel 3 in Iran, where you see him, you, know, you see his co-workers, they call him enemy number one of the Islamic Republic, they call him a terrorist leader, they call him a terrorist himself, they call him a criminal, uh, they call him a spy of Mossad, of CIA, of FBI, of everything that you can name, just that that is the first step to destroy, uh, when they attack activists outside of Iran, they first start by destroying your name, by destroying your image and creating doubt. Like maybe this is a bad person, maybe this is a criminal, maybe this is really a spy. And that was their first step. The next step was trying to um, take him out personally. So death threats started. And in 2009, they sent an, an agent of the regime to the US, to our house, and he was supposed to assassinate my father. Wait a minute, um, so this happened on US soil? on US soil, they sent an agent and that, that later came out through WikiLeaks and my dad didn't even publish that. It came out through WikiLeaks wow. that an agent was on US soil, tried to assassinate my dad and another uh, person who had also a TV station in the UK. Um, the, 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 the hit was foiled, my father survived. Mm -hmm. The person was found guilty, went to jail here. It was, uh, it was shown he was a regime agent, he had money, he wanted to take my dad down, he went to prison in Los Angeles for one year. After one year, he was what we assume in a prisoner's drop, released to Iran. And that was the end of that story. So what, what year was this? 2009. So 2009, uh, your father already had a taste of what the regime was capable of doing by extending its tentacles here in Los Angeles, uh, thousands of miles away from Tehran. Uh, now, now catch us up to w the part where he gets kidnapped by the regime. Um, my father was a person who, um, when you threaten him, he doesn't back off. When you threaten him, he says, I know why I'm doing this. I'm doing the right thing. And you can't threaten me. You can't make me stop what I believe in. And he believed mm -hmm. the people in Iran need a voice. They need an outlet. So instead of backing off and taking the website down, he added on a radio station where he started to talk about everything that was on the website, everything that was going on in Iran, everything that they believed in. And that was getting even worse for the regime because now they had a bigger outlet there. Um, the threats continued. My dad could not leave the country and uh, because the, the authorities told them, if you leave the country, we cannot protect you. We can protect you within our borders here. And so he stayed here for the last 10 years. He lost his visa, of course, because he, he came here on a manager visa. He had to leave the country every two years and come back in mm -hmm. order to keep it. So that was a whole different story where he couldn't leave the country. Finally, when he, he got a new visa and he was able to leave, the authorities still told him, do not leave the country. We can't do anything. But mm -hmm. because during all this time, he lost his business ties. He lost all of his business. His company was going down. He wanted to go on a short trip to India and come back. He took India. this trip beginning, yes, beginning of 2020, went to India, pandemic happened, India shut down. So he was stuck in India with my brother for four months. When he tried to return to the US, unfortunately we had a law back then where people who had a visa could not come back. So my brother was able to come back to the US. My dad, because he has German citizenship, had to go to the US embassy in Germany and request to be allowed to come back. Uh, during that time, he went back there, it took a long time for them to, to get an appointment. And he decided to use that time to go back to India, at least get his business deal, and then return to us. Uh. He took the first flight that he got, it was from Frankfurt in Germany, going through Dubai, and from Dubai to Mumbai. 
in Dubai, his connection flight got canceled and he was stranded there for three days. That's the moment that he, when he called my mother on July 28, 2020 and told her, I'm in Dubai right now, I'm waiting for my flight. And she completely freaked out because we know that the UAE is not a safe place for dissidents and that people have been attacked there. They have been kidnapped there. And my dad tried to calm down my, my mother and he opened up his Google track. He said, you can see me on this Google track. You can see my location where wow. I am. It's going to be okay. And it was not okay because that was the last time that they were able to talk and make sure that he was okay. My dad would not respond to any messages, to any phone calls for three days. But my mom saw on the tracker that his location was moving and he wasn't moving towards India. He was moving towards Oman, crossing the border of Oman, getting to the coast. And that's where the trackers stopped. Wow. The wow. very next day we got the news we saw it in the news, like everybody else on, the, on this planet, the Islamic regime put up a video of him. He's blindfolded, he's, his face is swollen. He is confessing to crimes that he, he did not commit. That was the first confession that they started to air. And that's the moment we found out they kidnapped my dad and we didn't know if he was alive, where wow. he was, what was going on. You know, for, for the Western audience, I, I want you all to understand this is not a movie. This is not, this happened. It happened on U.S. soil. It happened on Dubai soil. I mean, these guys really were, were tracking your father's every move. And they were able to do so in, with advanced technology. And that's what we talk about a lot is that, you know, um, for, for a lot of the West, they dismiss a lot of the threats of the Iran regime. And they also think that the Iranian people are still riding camels and, and left in the dark ages where they have truly dedicated themselves to their cyber activities, to their uh, really uh, silencing and targeting dissidents abroad. Um, you know, not not anything close to your father, but my my websites have been hacked so many different times, yes. and um, I know I know that they are watching us, and it's 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 very very frightening. Um, so, what happened after that? Were you able to have some sort of, you know, go to a local, you know, a law official or some sort of? Uh, what were you able to do? <laughs> that's that's exactly the question that I was asking myself. I mean. There is no book, there is no handbook, there is no movie that explains to you what do you have to do when a foreign terrorist regime kidnaps right. your father? Like, who do you believe? Yes, so evidence in, in the in the uh, uh, video coverage that they showed, but otherwise, how would you ever be able to prove this? Exactly. So. I contact everybody that I could think of. I contact the local authorities, the FBI, the police here in Los Angeles. I contacted uh, uh, Interpol and Interpol told me, you can't contact us. We, we work with countries, not with people. Like, I, I didn't know what to do. Uh, right. The press, any anything that I can think of. And um, we didn't even know if he was alive. We didn't know where he was. We just got this little video of him and that he disappeared. So it took us a very, very long time until... Um, we even found out that he was alive. After two months, he was able to call my mother and without my, my mom. That's the first time. Sick. Yes, for the first time. And I didn't even believe that my dad called and that he was alive. I thought my mom was going crazy and she was wow. imagining things. But finally, we got this phone call. He was alive. He was in Iran and nobody knew where he was. Nobody still until this day, two and a half years later, has contacted him, has seen him. Besides right. the regime. So his, his specific whereabouts are, are unknown and undisclosed. They, 
they keep them in an unknown location and don't disclose where he is exactly. Right. So what, I mean, have you as a family been able to hire an attorney for him over there? I mean, what does walk people through the whole process? I don't think people know what this, this looks like. Yeah. I didn't know either. I found out step-by-step step through going through this, what, 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 what even going on in Iran, just hiring a lawyer because they told us, the regime told us not the German government, nobody from outside, not the family, nobody can see my dad except if we get a lawyer. So that's when we started to look for a lawyer who would go and see him, not because my dad did anything wrong and he needs legal guidance, just because that was the only person allowed to see him. Right. So we contacted all the lawyers that the, 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 uh, we had on a list in Iran, and 99% of them said, we have to turn you down, unfortunately, because if we represent dissidents uh, like your dad, we will end up in jail next to them. So right. lawyers in Iran cannot do their job. Wow. We were giving a list of 100 lawyers that lawyers in quotation marks, because they are agents of the regime approved by the regime to be on these cases. And we were told, do not choose somebody from this list because they work with the regime against your dad. Right. So we did not choose somebody there. We finally found a lawyer that was brave enough to take on my dad's case. She was not allowed to see him. She was not allowed to enter the court. One of the recent lawyers that we have is uh, Mr. Agassi, who is a prominent lawyer there. He was not allowed to go into the courtroom to give them, to file the application to be my dad's lawyer. They would keep him because this is against Iranian law too. They don't just break international law and human rights laws. They break their own laws too. You, right. When a person goes to court in Iran, they have the right to choose their own lawyer. So the lawyer has to go and file it in court. They keep him out of the court physically. They keep him in the lobby for hours, for days, for weeks until he gives, gives up. And that's how they get rid of the lawyers. So no, we don't have a lawyer for him. So walk, I mean, now let's talk about the last three years. Um, there have been show trials and show trials for those who are not familiar are, it's just a formality, right? It's the regime's way of making a symbol out of these prisoners, bringing them on, uh, pretending like, you know, justice is being served where it's absolutely not a bunch of sham, um, you know, uh, charges are brought against individuals. Usually it's to the tune of espionage or working against the government or something like that, right? Um, what was it for in the case of your father? I mean, tell us about, you know, the, 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 the trials, what kind of communication you guys had with mm -hmm. him. I mean, what, what resources did you have at your disposal? Let me explain the communication first, because that, that is an important factor to the communication since they kidnapped my dad has been close to zero. In the first year, he was allowed a handful of phone calls and not because they're so nice, they want him to talk to his family because that's his right, but because they were trying to force us to work with them. They were telling me to write a letter on his computer, on his letterhead, to say that he's a terrorist leader, that he's this and that, a spy and so on, which we refused. They wanted to install cyber software, remote control software on his computer, on our computers to get access, to fabricate evidence, to use it later in wow. those show trials. And when we refused to do that, they cut off communication. He's not allowed to talk to me at all. He couldn't talk to us for nine months. And after that, in the last year, he was allowed two phone calls with my mom, completely controlled phone calls, of course. And since the revolution started, we only had a voice message where he said, mm -hmm. he's okay, he's alive. So communication is absolute zero. So we have to rely on that fake regime lawyer that was put on his case to give us any kind of information. 
And when the JCPOA talk started in the beginning of 2020, that was the exact time that my dad's showcase, the show trials started. So it's not a coincidence. The regime does that strategically. They do that on purpose. His, um, uh, um, his, uh, the whole courtroom, which is not a courtroom, it's a kangaroo court, was shown on their TV and their newspapers. My dad is there. They show his passport, his German passport is like, on a big projector to give Germany a message and so on. And then there's, of course, the fake charges and he's not allowed to say anything. In one of the trials, he was allowed to speak. And the, the moment he spoke, he said, I do not accept any of the charges. And that was the end of his speech. Mm, and that's, uh, like, that's, that's where I still saw that he, he still has the fighter in him, even though they're wow. torturing him for so long. But he's still standing up for what, what he thinks is right. Um, which brings us to this week. Last week, we were told by the regime lawyer there will be another trial, which took place on January 10th. It was the last show trial, and he was supposed to get the verdict. And the verdict is not something like a real verdict where a real judge sits down and thinks about it and weighs the pros and cons and looks at the evidence. There is no evidence. This is a show. They determined beforehand, before this all started, they want to give this person the death penalty. And that's what the show is about. So we're waiting right now. They gave us 10 days and within 10 days of that day they will give him the death sentence and that's why we're so loud right now and that's why we want all this attention on what's going on there because my dad is just one person but this is happening to thousands right now in exactly. iran and this will continue to happen to dissidents outside of iran which have no security not from our u.s government not from canada not in the eu we have no security no safety at all because as you see in my dad's case nothing has happened to help him like nothing has changed um i want you know uh, there was obviously news last week of ali reza akbari the uk national who was uh, executed by the regime there are also uh three other uh, those that we know of right there may be more yeah. uh european nationals there two from sweden ahmad reza jalali and habib shab of of sweden of course your father um I mean, is your family scared that this is the trend that has been followed and that's the sentence that will be handed down to your father? Of course we're scared. I mean, of course we can see what is going on, that they're not afraid to execute dual nationals. So your citizenship means nothing. You have no security. That's what we saw in Akbari's case. And we've seen, I've, I've talked to the family of Ahmad Reza Jalali, who's lived under the threat of execution because they got the death sentence I think six years ago and mm -hmm. the family like every every now and then when they want to put pressure on Sweden they say his execution is going to be next week or tomorrow or something you freak out as a family my my dad's mom is still alive she's living with us here in the U.S. and I can't imagine what it must be like as a mother to to, to see that happening to your child my mom, of course, was absolutely like, couldn't even talk to her. And we, we, all we're trying to do is take that fear, take that anger and put it in, into something that could be useful, could put it into something that could change something, not just for my dad, but for all of them who are there right now. And I'm so thankful that in this moment of time, the world is watching, people are mobilizing, people are listening, the spotlight is on Iran, because what you see is happening with my dad, what we see is happening on the streets of Iran, this is nothing new to us, you know that. This has been going on for four decades and everybody looked away, everybody looked away on purpose or not, and now the spotlight is there and we're like, yes, this is the Islamic regime, this is what's happening, look at it, do something, let's do something exactly. together, not just for the people of Iran, but for us outside too, we're not safe, we will never be safe. 
Right. I mean, you've been so incredibly brave and active yourself. I think you and I have been in touch since your father was taken into custody. And um, you have been truly, you know, a one woman show in terms of your activism and trying to spread the word. But more, even more recently, trying to bring attention to his case as it becomes more and more urgent. You made a very compelling video and put it on social media, begging German authorities to, at the very least, you say in your own words, at the very least, set up a phone call between my father and I, so I can at least hear his voice. I mean, um, beautiful video. I encourage you all to go look at it on Gazelle's uh, Instagram. Um, I want to know, has anyone responded to your pleas from the German government? We have a sponsor now, a political sponsor after two and a half years, which is fantastic. He is um, the leader of the opposition pretty much in Germany, so mm -hmm. uh, a, a, a very prominent person. Um, political sponsorship is very, very important, but it's it's not the only thing that we need. The press has been more interested now. The press has been, to tell the truth, boycotting us for the last two and a half years. Not not the journalists. The journalists, they're interested in the story. They're saying they want to bring this out. I don't know what's behind this, that they don't bring out these stories. I mean, we all have our um, ideas what it could be. Right. But um, I have seen, I have seen more and more people reaching out and more and more people working together. And um, I have seen that we uh, all together have put our differences aside. I see uh, people of different political views and different polit mm -hmm. political strategies working together hand in hand now. And that is, that is fantastic. So mm -hmm. it makes a difference. People think oh, a little video, a little like, a little click doesn't make a difference. It makes the world of the difference. Let me tell you, Lisa, the two phone calls that my dad was allowed last year were after we published videos online and they got like millions of views. Of the very next day, my dad was allowed to call my mother. So mm -hmm. they make a huge difference. Petitions make huge difference. Likes, follows, all of these things make huge differences in the life of that political prisoner. Absolutely. Um, and speaking of, of why Germany doesn't speak out, of course, as many know, Germany being one of the um, largest, uh, biggest trade partners with the Islamic Republic and yet not using their leverage uh, to call out the Islamic Republic right now. But today we got some some positive news, right, Gazelle, that the EU has finally decided to put the IRGC, the Revolutionary Guard, which is the paramilitary arm of the Islamic Republic of Iran, on the terror list. Uh, are you are you optimistic that this is perhaps moving in the right direction with regards to European support for your father and this entire movement? The direction is right. It's very, very slow. And it's very, most of it is still symbolic. And that's the problem. So um, thankfully, I, I don't see anybody celebrating or doing anything big because everybody understands this is the minimum. Let's go to the next step. Let's go to the next step. All these activists have like plans. Everybody has put out there our demands and we elected these people. They have to follow our demands. That's a democracy. That's how it works. We're all loud together. We want to go to the next step and the next step and put it in action and stop just talking. I mean, after you, you just named him, Akbari got executed i saw macron like i don't know so and so from the uk everybody with these condolences and these condemnations and all of these tweets and da 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 afterwards we don't need somebody afterwards i don't need my dad to be executed and murdered and then i don't know somebody comes and says we condemn this right. that that's horrible so we need to to push them to actions and every little step that we're going the right direction is great but we want more and more and more it's too little Maybe too late. We needed this 
four decades ago, but, but, but we're working towards it and that's, that's good. Yeah, absolutely. My last question to you, I think people are very curious to know, I know your father is a German citizen, but uh, because he's a U.S. national living here in the United States, traveled from the United States, have you, know, have you had any luck going to anyone here in the United States for help or to the U.N. to get some sort of help with your father's case? I have a lot of support from our lawyer here in the U.S., Jason Poblet and the Global Liberty Alliance. And um, he has worked with hostage cases before, and it's very good. He brought my dad's case to the U.N., to the Working Group of Arbitrary Detention. Last week or two weeks ago, they just released their decision that my father was arbitrarily detained. So this is a huge success in, in this piece. Yes, the U.N. Has, has made progress there, and that's great. We have to build on that. From the U.S. government itself, I have not received uh, any support, at least not officially. I know behind closed doors, things are going on. Under the Levinson law, my dad has lived here for mm -hmm. 20 years. He is a U.S. national and they must uh, protect him like yeah. everybody else. But it has not happened. The administration right now has been awfully quiet about everything. Mm -hmm. And it is infuriating to us and to many others. Many people, but, yes. um, Yeah. It hasn't gone unnoticed, that's for sure. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, Gazelle, I want to wrap up with this. Obviously, we are praying for your father. We hope that we get good news tomorrow. And, and moving forward, we get to bring him home and to celebrate that victory with you and your family. We are praying with you all side by side. Um, what can people do right now um, to bring attention to this? I mean, um, you know, what, what can people do to help you and your family? Uh, share share the story, sharing, sharing, sharing. I can't believe that so many people still after two and a half years don't know about my dad's story and we're, we're screaming, but my, my voice has just reached a, a certain group of people. And the more we share what is going on, the more people understand, the more they see these faces, the story behind it, what, it's, what is going on and how it affects us also all over the world, the more people will get engaged and, and, and join us in this. My dad didn't do this for himself. He could have lived a nice life here in California and retired uh, in a nice house. He did this because of the people of Iran, because of the values that he has, because he believed that to do the right thing is worth maybe even your life. So he stood up for something. And we can see this bravery in my dad, in the people of Iran in the streets right now. And if we take just a little piece of that bravery and put it into our own lives, we can move mountains with it. Whether it's a like, a tweet, you can go on my Instagram, on my uh, Twitter, you will see my link tree there. Uh, we have a petition that you can sign, that's very important. We have um, a, a letter action where you just click with one click, you send a letter to President Biden or the, the German foreign ministry and uh, Bundeskanzler. These are very, very easy steps. It takes you a couple of seconds to do that, but they make a difference. When we go on their nerves, they have to respond. They have to do something. Well, I hope they're they're listening, and I hope that people um, around the world are listening, and that we can bring your father home. There you have it. You can uh, sign the petition. You can follow along. This is not a partisan issue, of course. This is a human rights issue. There's nothing to think about. We have to bring him home to his family. Thank you so much for your bravery, for your activism, for your courage. I hope that your prayers are answered along with ours. And uh, thank you for sharing your story. And for those of you at home who'd like to sign up for our weekly podcast, please go to foreigndesknews.com uh, and to youtube.com slash Lisa Deftari to subscribe uh, and to sign up for the daily email. You can go to foreigndesknews.com. You can sign up there as well. And we will see you all 
next time.